Welcome to the first episode of Hat Trick Lax Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. Now, before we get into it for this first episode, we figured it best to let you all know who we are and why we're doing this. All right, guys. My name is Garrett Drybin. I've been a fan of lacrosse ever since I can remember. I started playing the sport five years old, and I played throughout college. Uh, I'm from Maryland. I grew up in Carroll County, which is right near Baltimore. Uh, and I started at Boys Latin in eighth grade. I played JV for two years, varsity for two years there. And I played my college ball at Georgia Tech for Division One MCLA team. So shout out MCLA. Uh, I was a close defenseman the whole time I played. So I'm probably going to be a little biased to that side of the ball when it comes to my picks and my analysis of stuff. Uh, I come from a cross family. My dad was a defenseman too. He went to Hobart and he actually won the, uh, their D three championship in 1990. Um, and I, because of that, I grew up completely surrounded by the sport. I love everything about it. I love the college game. Um, I look forward to giving you guys some great input, the best of the three of us. And I can't wait for the season to begin already. What's up guys. My name's Garrett Voigt. Uh, like all of us, I grew up in a predominantly lacrosse household. Uh, both my parents played. My dad went on to play at Maryland. My little brother Grant is a junior at Lynchburg right now playing for the Hornets at D3. Uh, I played with Dryband at BL for four years, and then I went on to go to Ohio Wesleyan. Uh, I stopped playing after my second year, but my love for the sport never diminished. Uh, when I was growing up and playing the sport, I loved watching Maryland games with my family every weekend and watching pro and college games when I could. The three of us have talked in the past about doing a podcast like this, and I'm just proud that we were able to come together and make this happen. I'm pumped to get this going and uh, talk lacrosse with y'all and the listeners, and uh, now I'll throw it over to Glazer. That's right. You guessed it. My name is also Garrett, but of course, last name Glazer. Um, you know, I've been doing picks myself for everything lacrosse, football, um, golf, even uh, for over a decade now. Um, and like these guys have been saying, lacrosse has been a part of my life. Grew up right around them. Uh, grew up playing the game. Liked them as well. My dad was a player. Played at Towson back when it was Towson State. He won the D2 National Championship in the mid-70s. Um, like these guys, I went to BL, but I actually didn't play in high school. I was a golfer instead. I let, I let the lacrosse playing to them. But in college, I was uh, actually manager for the Gettysburg lacrosse team under Coach Janzik. I loved every day of it. I got to be a pretty decent shooter, warming up the goalies every day. Um, and I just loved being around, around the team, being a part of a college lacrosse team, and you know, being a part of that week-to-week atmosphere. It's something really special that I, I'm going to talk to a lot in my picks and the importance of, of seniors and camaraderie amongst the team. And you know, just a little added bonus, uh, I, I did the lacrosse inside the cross picks last year, and actually was fortunate enough to come out on top. So, point is, we've been doing this for a long time, and we all have over the years well over a 75% winning percentage. So we're not too bad at picking. We've got to be pretty good at this, and and we're excited to share our wisdom with you. That being said, you know why we're doing this. Well. As if you're if you're listening to this, you probably have listened to other lacrosse podcasts 
there's preview, there's post review, there's ranking and all sorts of podcasts for lacrosse and plenty of good ones we'll add. We really enjoy listening to a lot of them. But what we've noticed is that there really isn't a podcast solely dedicated to picks, specifically D1 picks for every game every week. And because of that, we wanted to shed light on every team in the league to the best of our abilities. So in the spring, every week, we'll cover every matchup, and we'll try to give every team the spotlight at least once during the course of the season. We think that's super important in shedding light to some programs that don't get enough attention. Point is, we know lacrosse, we know the history, the rivalry, and the oddities of the game, and most importantly, we know the picks, and we're really excited to share them with you week after week and enjoy the thrills of the NCAA lacrosse season. And this episode is a special one. We'll be doing a bit of a preview of the 2023 season. Uh, We're doing a conference-by-conference breakdown today, covering every team in some sort of fashion, giving a little insight to the large amount of conference realignment uh, that has happened this past offseason. And we're going to be previewing some new teams in in these new conferences and explaining where we think each team will end up. Uh, We each looked at three or four conferences individually and ranked them based on our own opinion. So during the podcast, that's why you may hear some of us disagree on rankings, as this is the first time each of us are hearing the other's predictions. So as we also said, well, as Glazer said uh, just a second ago, one of the big goals of our podcast is we want to highlight every single D1 team that might not get, you know, the same kind of spotlight as the big blue bloods, like, you know, your Hopkins, your Dukes and your Cuses. But because of that, or besides that, uh, we're going to basically go through all of these conferences in an order. Um and if you want to skip ahead or you don't just want to listen to some parts and listen to specific conferences uh, or re-listen to some conferences, um, we're going to be going them in the order or in the following order. <laughs> we're going to do the ACC first, then the A-Sun, the Big East, the CAA, then the Big Ten, the MAC, the America East, the Patriot, the Ivy League. And we're going to wrap it up with the only new conference this year, the Atlantic Ten. So... As we go through each of these conferences, we're going to describe each team within that conference in the order of how we think they're going to finish their regular season conference standings. Uh, and this is going into the tournament or the conference tournament, if that conference has it. Um, in addition to this, throughout these listings and uh, describing each team, we're going to also give our predicted tournament winner, as well as a team in the conference that we think could be a potential dark horse that might not be a favorite for the conference uh, championship at the beginning of the season. But we think that if they click and we think that they could hit some stuff, right. uh, That they could actually win the conference championship. So just going straight into it with our first one, we've got the ACC always a fan favorite. One of the best conferences out there. Um, I had the pleasure of looking into this one this year and who I think is going to be winning this conference is Virginia. Uh, they, they're a juggernaut returning so many key players specifically Schellenberger is just an offensive quarterback genius for this team. He has them running so well. Lars Tiffany's a fantastic coach and to top it off, I mean, they're returning the ACC defenseman player of the year and Cole Kastner, ACC rookie of the year and Matthew Nunez and their face off, the best face off man in the ACC and LaSala. So on top of all this, they're also adding, they're getting the number one overall NLL pick in last year's draft, draft Thomas uh, McCovney, who was at Vermont and basically carried that team to the tournament last year. So that's why this team, I think, is going to be 
the winners of the ACC. Boy, do you agree with that? Yeah, somewhat. I just, I, I really like Notre Dame too. Uh, I know you'll probably get into them soon. So uh, I, I just really think that's a, the ACC is a really a two horse race between those teams. Nothing oh, to yeah. take from UVA, but I really like Notre Dame this year. But UVA can definitely continue their dominance that they've had over the last few years. I second that. You better have Notre Dame as two drive in. Oh, they're two. They're, they're right, right next. Home. They're right oh, here. Yeah. There. I, I, it is really between these two. Boy, you act, you called it. It's a two horse race between these two guys in the ACC. The Notre Dame, I mean, they're bringing back a loaded team. Their biggest issue last year was their offense finding an identity. And they finally found it at the end of the season, uh, mainly because of the Kavanaugh's. I mean, they're returning Pat and Chris this year. They're going to be, if they're going to go far, it's got to be on their backs, I think, offensively. Uh, they lost Jake Taylor again, who was filling a fantastic role during them in that, at the uh, end of that season, but then he tore his ACL. Losing him for the first part of the season is going to be crappy for them, but, I mean, I think they'll be able to figure it out. And on top of that, I mean, Notre Dame's defense is just insane under uh, Corrigan. I mean, it's been the best year in, year out. And on top of that, they're adding Chris Fake and Brian Tevlin from Yale. I mean, come on. They're they're definitely number two, and I think they'll be fighting Virginia for that number, that top spot in this conference. But after Notre Dame, I've got Duke as number three, I think, coming in after them. I really think that <laughs> it's kind of Virginia, Notre Dame at the top, that there's a gap, and then Duke. And I honestly think I, I have Duke as my dark horse for this conference, too. And specifically is because of Brennan O'Neill. Totally He's a generational good. talent, I think. He's insane at the at on that lefty wing. Um, kind of reminds you of Logan Wisnowskis a little bit with how he plays. Well, he's uh, beefier, like O'Neal he is, is beefier. I, I think he's he definitely likes to give the bull touch, and I, he can do it to anybody. I mean, he was the quarterback of that offense last year as a sophomore, and I mean, you don't see that that often on a Duke team that has great attackmen every single year. So I, I think that this team's going to go as far as he can carry them. I think, I mean, they obviously have another great recruiting class because Duke gets that every single year for whatever reason under Donowski. But I, I think that they have, definitely have a chance to work that late season magic that Duke normally somehow pulls out of their ass. And I think that they could make a run at the uh, in the tournament if they get in this year, which they didn't last year. So that might light a fire in their ass too. So for the last two teams... Before, hold on, Drive Ben. Yeah. I'm I'm curious, like, I I agree. I'm sure Voight does as well. Like Duke's Duke's the three, but do you see them beating either Notre Dame or Virginia during the course of the season? Like, do you see that as a feasibility? I mean, like Thursday night lacrosse under the lights has been a trademark of the ACC network the past couple of years. And Duke's had some pretty special games. Do you think they can do they th- you think they have the guys to do it this year? For some reason, I ha- I think that they could beat Virginia more so than yeah. Notre Dame. Okay. I think Notre Dame has had Duke's MO for the past couple of years. Uh, that's just like a weird gut feeling that I get from it. But to sum it up, not that likely, but I think there is a chance they could do it. I think they always have a chance with how Duke's coached and everything like that. Um, and I, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But I mean, yeah, I think they have a shot to do that. <laughs> and as I said, so how this conference is kind of laid out, Virginia, Notre Dame at the top, there's a little bit of a drop off, then Duke, then we have another drop off. And then we have our last two teams in the conference, in my opinion, 
North Carolina and Syracuse in that order. Kind of close in how bad they are, I think. But I do have North Carolina edging Syracuse. We'll talk about North Carolina first. If, in my opinion, I have no faith in this team and I'm not placing them any higher than four because of their defense. Their defense needs to improve. Craig needs to become a lot more consistent. He only had one game above 50% in their first seven games last year, which is not great for a goalie of his caliber. And their defense allowed over 30 shots on goals six times last year. That's over half their games. 30 shots on goals, ridiculous. You can't expect your goalie to have 18 saves a game and just hope that that's going to pull you through. And on top of that, their offense has to fill the biggest hole ever with Chris Gay leaving. I mean, they got to find production from somehow. They don't have an identity right now, I don't think. And until they prove to me that they have it, I just don't have them going that far. But like I said, coaching also matters a lot. And I do think Brescia gets the best out of this UNC team year in, year out with what he has. So we'll see if they can do anything with it, but I don't see them going that far. And then last and least is Syracuse. Amen, brother. Amen. I, literally, the only positive I can see on this team is that they're going or they're getting Owen Hiltz back from injury because he missed all of last season, which is massive for them. But that's literally the only good thing that I can see that this team has. Uh, they're getting so young. They they lost so many seniors. Uh, I mean, only three of their top eight point scorers from last year are returning. And on top of that, Gates only in his second year as head coach, still getting a new formula there. And I mean, this team has literally everything to prove this year. So that's why I'm putting them at five, unless things start to click really fast, uh, especially because they have an insanely difficult first half of the season. I, I don't see this team making too much movement in this conference this year. My one worry with this team is that because they're so young, they'll listen to Gate. And like, they'll be pretty malleable. And if he has a good game plan, like I think they could produce, I don't think they do, yeah. but I think their youth from a coaching perspective could actually be an advantage. So I'm very curious. Well, we'll see. I mean, they have on paper, they have a great recruiting class coming in, Yeah. but as we've seen in the past, that does not always necessarily translate to points on the board and a good record. So we got to see. Uh, dry band. I did want to ask something about UNC. Um, I did see that they have a few transfers coming in. Do you think any of those guys can step into the close defense roles or the LSM roles and make a difference on that defense? I mean, ideally, I think uh, I'm going to assume with how that team played last year, Brescia's basically has a clean slate and I don't think he has anybody locked in as a starter on defense, except for Connor Meyer, their short stick defensive midi who led that team. He's a like one of the best first defensive minis out there. I think other than him, I think he's going to have every single person playing for that spot and trying to earn their position on that defense just to make it as good and actually cohesive this year as it can possibly be. Good stuff. One conference down. I, I, I agree with you, dry man. You're off to a decent start. Oh, it's the best start. That is the correct order for that conference. Yeah. Next up, we got the a sun. So, the A-Sun is welcoming in two teams from the SoCon and the two Division II teams that are moving up to the D1 level this year. I assume with the number of teams that they have, it, it's looking like the top six teams will make the conference tournament. Uh, just based on the—I kind of took that from the Patriot League. Uh, they have nine teams. The A-Sun has ten teams. So I think it's safe to say that the top six 
are probably. I would. I would certainly hope so. I mean, that'd be a freaking awesome conference tourney. Oh yeah. To start off, I got Utah coming in at the one spot, and I have them being the. I have them being the regular season champs. Um, They're returning a. They're returning a crazy amount of starters last year. Uh, crazy thing I found five out of their six top points leaders uh, were all junior or all juniors this year, three attackmen, two midi. It's one thing to see like one attack line or a midfield line or a defense or a defense with three players of the same year. But it's another when all when an entire side of the field is from the same class. Um, they have a ton of chemistry. They uh, were sixth in assists per game last year and uh they were the best team clearing the ball i with all their starters with most of their starters returning i expect them to replicate a lot of what a lot of their success from last year uh they do have to fill in the goalie spot um it looks like it's coming down to between two guys so we'll see where they end up but yeah i have them being the regular season champs coming out on top at the end of the season why not jacksonville I will get I to have them be in chance for this one. I, I just don't see. So that's why I said regular season champs. I have actually Jacksonville gaining the AQ winning the tournament. Okay. The, the year. Here we go. Okay. I, I think they'll see Utah there in the championship. Um, they have uh, a transfer Dylan Watson coming in. Uh, dry band would know this guy. Well, uh, Georgetown attack. Oh, yeah. 58 goals, six assists last year. Uh, he's a great addition with Max Waldbaum exiting the program. Uh, and they also got a couple of other transfers that'll look to make a difference on the, at the midfield stripe. Um, I really like John Galloway. Um, he's, a, he's been a great coach for Jacksonville the last few years. Him and his staff do a great job developing players and working that transfer portal. Uh, like Utah, I think they translate their success from the, from the SoCon and move that to the ASUN. I think Galloway's a fantastic culture coach for them down there. Oh yeah, he knows he knows how to bring his guys together and breed success. Like he's a he's a top tier coach in my eyes. Next, I have Robert Morris. Bobby Mo. Mo. Yes, sir. Me and Glazer are huge on the Bobby Mo train. Um, I have them as my dark horse coming in at the three spot. They did beat Utah in the ASUN tournament last year. However, and they earned that AQ. I, I don't expect, or I don't expect them to decline at all this year. I think they, uh, they do, they do the, they, they have a lot of success this in 2023 as they did in 2022. No official official schedule yet, but they, uh, they did release their A Sun games. They'll have to play Jacksonville, Utah, and Air Force in back to back to back games. That's so awesome. those should be. Those should be some good three weeks of lacrosse right there. That's a gauntlet for them. Yeah. They, uh, they have a couple of grad students coming back. Um, they'll just have to fill in some spots at the close at close defense and midfield and attack. But otherwise I think they got great coaching and, uh, they got some depth. Um, and next I have air force coming in at number four, a little hard to, see what air force's success is going to look like no official roster has been released as of today um but it looks like they have a pretty tough schedule they got to play ohio state uh in their first game of the season i think that'll be a good measuring stick for them to see where they 
where they're at among the better teams in the NCAA. Just a giant demoralization stick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they got to go. They got to go on play Colgate and they played Duke and Denver uh, all before right before the uh, conference game start up. Oh, they're going to have to rely on that AQ. I feel like if they oh, want to yeah. get into the tournament. Sheesh, that's a gauntlet. Yeah, their out of conference is going to be huge because if I think if they get wins over either Ohio State or Duke, I think they got a pretty good shot. Do you think they can get an offensive identity after losing Kraus? Yeah, that's that's my biggest question mark right now. Kraus was, I think, in the first like five games of the season, he was averaging four to six goals per game. So that's going to be. I mean, a big he gap. carried that team. I can't remember. I think it was the Colgate game that I watched that they played in last year. It literally was their offense was stagnant. And they just swung it around until Kraus had it. And then he dodged. And if it didn't, if he didn't get a good look on the dodge, they swung it around back to him and he dodged again. He was their whole offense. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a big, he's a, that's a big loss, uh, especially in the leadership role. Um, but I put them at the four spot just because compared to the other teams I see in the conference, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be at that four spot. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And then, uh, this may be surprising to you guys, but I have Mercer at my five, my fifth spot. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, no official schedule yet. Um, and I'll go and I'll make this point as well when I talk about Bellarmine later on. Um, just they don't they didn't have a good record last year. That's let's just call a spade a spade. Went five and ten, two and three in in the SoCon. But now they're in notably they didn't make the tournament. Oh, they did make the tournament. That is right. They did the not. Socon? They did not. Oh, they did not. BMI oh. took their spot. Remember, is that weird tiebreaker? Oh, that's right. Was yeah. it a goal differential tiebreaker? That they I, had? It was something weird where like VMI like squeaked into the tournament. So yeah, Mercer did not make it. Dang. I do not have Mercer this high on my list for ASUN. Yeah. Uh, oh well. But yeah, I I just like their. I like their upside. They did lose a key leader to the transfer portal, Sean Goldsmith, attackman. He went to UNC. But they're returning most of their starters uh, along with their goalkeeper, you know. Um, but I just think with a, with a lot more teams in the ASUN, uh, they have a lot more opportunities to win some quality games. So yeah. that's why I kind of had them at my fifth spot. I like watching Mercer play at the beginning of each year. I think they can be an electric team if they want to. So that's why I kind of put them above Bellerman as well. And I got Bellerman taking that sixth spot. They, uh, they did lose defenseman, John Robbins. He led the team in ground balls and caused turnovers. And, uh, that was a big reason. That was also just a big reason why I had Mercer above them just cause they lost a, a key leader in their, on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be a big gap to fill, especially when, you know, teams like Utah, Jacksonville have so much talent. Um, and so much chemistry it's uh they're gonna need to find uh that vocal leader once again i'll kind of talk about these two teams together i got cleveland state and detroit mercy uh, yeah they're a tandem i yeah. love the vikings love they're em. a tandem they, I, i'm not gonna lie it's uh cleveland state can can pull out some exciting games here and there um not last year not last i year. agree with you <laughs> um but yeah, there was I, there wasn't much I could find on this team. Like no schedule, uh, no roster for Cleveland State yet. Um, both teams have scheduled their ASUN games. Cleveland State has to 
go to Robert Morris, Jacksonville, Air Force, and back-to-back-to-back weeks. So that should be a tough stretch for them. Detroit Mercy, all I know really, all I really know is that they have a ton of returners coming back, and uh, their leading, the their leading player in points last year is now an assistant coach for them. Was he not on the field though? What was that? Sorry. Was he the attackman? Yeah, Brett Eskrin. Okay, because I remember watching that Notre Dame's first game against Detroit Mercy, where Notre Dame like took a dump on them. Like it was not good. Wasn't it like 22 five or something wasn't ridiculous. That, wasn't that game on like a Facebook live? Yeah, it was because uh, they, stream. they moved it inside the dome or whatever yes, it was. Yes, and it was like yes, field yes. level. Yeah. But I asked the question because when Detroit mercy had the ball, like this dude could play, like I was really impressed. So it's, oh, I'm sorry to see him go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, uh, I think it's also a good thing for Detroit mercy. They got a player like that on their coaching staff, you know, somebody, the guys all know, They've uh, played with him for the last few years, so they'll. I think they'll really listen to him, hear what he has to say, and that cares about the program since he actually oh, went yeah. there. Oh yeah, like that. That's that says a lot that he decided to uh, become an assistant coach for them. And uh, lastly, I got Lindenwood and Queens, um, the two D two programs. Not much to say here. I just don't know enough about either of these teams because they everything to prove. Yeah, level. yeah. Um, Lindenwood had a pretty good season last year. They went 12 and four and seven and one in their conference. They're going to be, they're going to be playing Marquette and LIU this year. So they're going to be playing some of the newer expansion teams to the D one level. So I think that's, that'll be a good measuring stick for their inaugural season. Queens, however, they are jumping right into the deep end. Uh, they have matchups against Navy and high point this year. Those will be two very tough matchups for them. They uh, they did have, I guess they have experience playing against pretty good D2 teams. They played against some of the best teams like Lenore Rhine and Limestone in their conference. Um, did they beat but, them though? You know what? I never really got that far. <laughs> we're not we're not that experts on D2. We'll freely admit that. <laughs> um, I would have to go back and look, but. Yeah, they uh, they do have experience playing against some some of the tougher matchups in D two, um, but it's very bold. I think it's very bold of them that they're going up against Navy and High Point. They're gonna humble their players real quick. Mm. This is D one now, guys. Oh, <laughs> but it's yeah. exciting, right? Two new D one teams. Like it's awesome to to have these additions and to have the sport grow. Like I think Lindenwood is in Arkansas, so like again, growth of the game when you know they got Bellman in Kentucky. Mercer and Georgia, like it's, it's cool stuff. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Like, uh, the more teams that we can get in D one are the better. Um, just lacrosse will keep growing as a sport as, um, if we just keep adding more teams and, uh, you know, we show off these programs to lacrosse players all over the country. Well, next up we have the big East conference, not a big conference, um, but one that has been pretty interesting the past couple of years, or maybe I should say not interesting the past couple of years, but very interesting the years prior. It should be no surprise to anyone that I have Georgetown at number one. I have them as the regular season winner. I have them as getting the automatic bid. Oh yes, they do. I have them as making championship weekend as we sit here in December, like this team has got everything. I think they honestly take the 
Rutgers transfer you moniker away. I think they're the new transfer you, right? They have eight grad students and transfers. Will Bone comes back. They get Jacob Kelly from UNC, like Solomon and Dordovic from Q's. Like Georgetown's grad program is like full of great lacrosse players. Not to mention Minicus from Colgate that led them in points last year. They just grabbed him too. Exactly. I mean, they are the transfer champions. That's it. Indeed. Yeah. Points leader, Grand Bunny Jr. returns. Really, I mean, they lose Trippy, but they had so many guys. Like, I'm not concerned by that at all. Statistically, last year, they were seventh in assists, fifth in faceoff winning percentage, third in GBs a game, sixth in points per game, and of course, first in scoring defense. Like, if you have a team that's top 10 in that many categories, they're a dangerous team. Questions in goal with the loss of their keeper, who's on the Chrome now. Um, a guy I like a lot. Uh, Scharfenberger got some minutes last year, so we'll see. But they also have a transfer from Dartmouth, so maybe he'll get the nod. Look, the deal with this team is they know the big stage. They just got to overcome it, right? Where have we last seen this team on the big stage? Getting trounced by UNC and getting shocked by Delaware. This team needs to prove something this year. I think they can. I think they're very special. I think we see them at the end of the May. I did want to ask, so... It seems like Georgetown is bringing in a ton of talent. Are you concerned uh, about who gets control of the offense, who gets control of the ball? Because there is only one ball. One, only one guy can make so much happen. Do you expect these guys to move the ball around a lot, or do you expect some guy to be the facilitator and control the entire offense? I mean, I think Dordovic is clearly going to be a centerpiece for them, but I think these guys – have the maturity to know that the best offense moves the ball the most, right? Why was Maryland, the Maryland offense so good last year? Cause the ball constantly moved. I think these guys played a high enough level where that'll probably be the product, right? Because if they don't like this team, you're absolutely right to point that out could go downhill very quickly. If they play hero ball, I don't think they do. I think their maturity shows that, you know, spinning the ball, working it around, finding the right guys like that yields better results. So you're right to point that out, but I think they overcome it. Agreed. I, I really think that this team, the name of the game is going to be matchups. And if they can, I mean, I, I think Kevin Warren's going to be able to coach them. I think he is a good enough coach that he can get matchups correctly and then exploit anything. Cause I think they have such a deep offensive team at this point that, and Bundy's just so freaking good. Uh, like, I mean, and like, I mean, their team is just so loaded. I mean, I think the players they have are have such a high lacrosse IQ on top of everything else, especially every single individual player. They understand where they are as a team. I think they'll be able to exploit every defense, whether that be box substitutions, running guys out of the box instead of starting them on attack, whatever it may be. I think they'll be perfectly fine at offense every single game. The team that cl- comes the closest to them, I think, is actually Villanova. I have them as two, too, in this conference. Right. Their schedule's out. Their schedule is pretty much the same every year now. They have the same amount of conference matchups. They got Penn State. They got Yale. They've added a couple more IVs where they play uh, Penn and Brown this year, so that'll definitely boost their RPI. They have seven grad students, you know, losing Luke Keating, who's an FNM guy who I saw all, all throughout his time at D3, uh, and losing, you know, Brett Baskin, who I was a Hopkins guy at one point, like that'll mm-hmm. hurt. But Matt Campbell is a stud. Um, he's going to lead that offense. 
And their D has experience by Comizio and Laporte, right? This team is relatively mature. Um, I, I'm just impressed by Villanova. I think they're normally composed. I think they're going to lose probably one or two of those Ivy League games. But, you know, they've shown they can compete with Yale and Penn State every year. So I'm excited for them. Uh, next up, almost kind of like by default, I have Denver. But I'm by no means like really impressed with them. Right. Of course, yeah. Denver's going to be a good team. They're going to be very well coached. Like they're established at this point, but no one jumps off the page. They retain their points leader, Silstrop. But of course, you know, we saw Jack Hanna. He played all summer. Um, so obviously they don't have any more. Um, and Malik Sparrow on the defensive end, he had 19 calls turnovers. So clearly, uh, you know, a productive player on the defensive end. Statistically, they had the fourth fewest turnovers game last year. So you know, if they're doing the right things or coached the right way, they're taking care of the ball mm-hmm. and Jack Thompson returns in cage. But I, I, I mean, they were nine and six last year, like, and they weren't even in the top 20 by the end of the year. I, I just don't think they're really a contender this year and they just have to reload over time. Yeah. I mean, tyranny always has them running. I, I agree. I mean, I don't think anybody jumps off the page. I just, it feels wrong to count out a team that's coached by Bill Tierney. I mean, uh, yeah. like, absolutely. Well, with the importance of coaching, uh, that comes in big into my number four projected for the Big East. I got the Providence Friars at wow. number four. Right. The biggest Making change in the tournament is obviously Coach Benson. Right. The, the mm-hmm. Friars are my dark horse. They are. They have to be with Coach Benson. They, they just have to be. I'm so intrigued by this. They got 12 seniors, two grad students. Their points leader, Matt Grillo, returns along with the highly productive freshman, Ryan Bell. They lose some experience in defense, um, but they have a grad transfer from Fairfield and Cage. Not a lot about this team. I'm just really interested and really excited to see what they can do. Clearly, Coach Benson's not going to have his guys, but we know his offensive mind. Like he can, He's going to be able to cook up something, and I think they beat some of the – some of the so they win some of the games they lost last year. Do you, I mean, do you think that their offense can carry them that far? Cause their defense, like if you just said they lost more experience, their defense was not good last year. It was not, it was not, but I think that they do enough to beat Marquette and St. John's to make the tournament. And I'll leave it there. Fair enough. Fair enough. So of course then Marquette is my fifth seed, right? I, I just, I can't put them below St. John's. I'll get into that in a second. Marquette, I, I'll be honest, like, Ever since Coach Ampolo left, like this team just hasn't been the same. And it's unfortunate because I think it's a really cool and interesting program. When they when they won the Big East, it was it was awesome. But they're just still trying to find themselves. I mean, boys, no player on this team had more than 25 points last season. No one had more than 25 points. Like, not a lot of goals, not a lot of interesting lacrosse. Their best player was just a freshman, which is exciting for the future. They have experienced Mason Woodward on St. Paul, uh, St. Paul's kid on the defensive end. The goalie was decent, but he's probably decent because he faced so many shots. This team has, you know, 12 new freshmen. So clearly, you know, integrating the youth is going to be important for them, but they're going to fight. Don't get me wrong. They're going to fight. I saw I watched that game against Michigan last year closely. I just don't think they win enough to really be a contender, even in the big East. And then finally <laughs> wrapping up with St. John's. Right. We got another new coach in the Big East. It's actually uh, two of the Terry brothers are, are coaching the squad. Um, but St. John's, their struggles have been long storied. And it's a shame because it's it's a cool program in New York. 
I give them major props. They got themselves a great out of conference schedule. They probably won't win a single one of these games, but it's awesome for their development. They got Delaware, Rutgers, Jacksonville, Stony Brook, St. Joe's and Richmond. They probably lose all those games, but that that's a great schedule. Like that is a really, really, you know, that, that tests your metal every week before the big East. Like I, I think it's, it's really cool and really exciting to see just what's what guys can do against top opponents. Faceoffs last year were a huge problem. They were under 40% and they were second to last in the NCAA in GBs per game. So clearly the new coaching staffs can emphasize that. But there there is and there should be hope for St. John's. But I mean, this year, like last year, it, it's just not it. Um, I hope the Johnnies can come back in the future. Ground balls win games. Yes, sir. Next up, we've got the CAA, which I, I love this conference. A lot of good teams in here. Um, the AQ from this conference always has some noise to make, especially shown last year, Delaware with the upset at Georgetown a couple years ago, Towson made that amazing semi or what was a quarterfinal run, but they, they beat Syracuse the semis. the semis. Yeah, it was the semis. Okay. The semifinal run Towson had a few years back and then Drexel too, when they upset Penn, however many years ago in the tournament, I, I think this conference is great. And I love all the teams that come out of here. We've got Delaware as number one. I, I think they're repeating this year. I think they're going to repeat. They're bringing back Owen Grant on defense. That man is a monster. He is so good. I mean, if you watched any of their games last year, he was able to shut down any star opposing attackman. And I think having his leadership return and his production on defense is pivotal. And to, on top of that, on the offensive end, on the other side of the ball, they're training JP Ward, who was the, uh, CAA rookie of the year last year um, uh, on offense. So I, I think they're getting some great experience back. DeLuca has been a fantastic coach for this team. His only losing season was when he took over um, in 2018. And since that year, he's been 37 and 16 in every single season, every season combined. So I think because of all that, the quality that they've got, I think Delaware is going to kind of run the table this year in the regular season. And they're going to get that AQ at the end of it too. I Let's think not it's forget that the CAA conference was an absolute scrap. Last oh yeah. Year. I mean, every team, the top of the conference was three and two and the bottom was two and three. It was every team was three and two or two and three in that conference. It's, it's crazy how close it was, but I think this year Delaware is going to be able to lock it down a little bit more. Um, and, and take the AQ with them. I'd say they had like the, the biggest upset in probably the last 10, 20 years, maybe. Oh, oh, yeah. It was such a great job that they were able to do that. Um, and I think that the best team that has a shot of coming close to them this year, I've got number two is Towson. I, they were sub 500 last year. However, that was due to a r- really tough out of conference, which I think will give them a lot of good experience this year. Natalyn, I think, is a great coach. And Towson always plays well in conference. I mean, last year, the like I said, they were only sub 500 because of their losing uh, record out of conference. In conference, they were three and two. And they made it to the conference final last year against Delaware, which also gives them a bunch of experience. I mean, I, I like this team. I, they always have a great defense under Nallon because he is a defensive minded coach. I think that that gives a lot of a lot of extra uh, props to a team. And I, I think they're going to, you know. I think they could make some some good waves in this conference. I think they'll make the the tournament. I don't think they're going to win it, but I, I think they could prove some stuff this year. Towson always makes some noise. 
Yeah. Right. Voight and I, Voight and I went to at least one of the games last year live and this team like always emits a ton of energy. I know they have a ton of local products on their team. So guys that know yeah, each other. Well, the Hopkins game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just yeah. an electrifying team. That's always interesting to watch. I mean, they had that three overtime game against Richmond. They were beating Virginia in the first half. Like mm-hmm. I just love watching this team. I think they're so interesting. They're a fun team. I mean, they've got juice. They've got sideline juice. Definitely. And you watch their games. It's kind of like the Maryland bench that they have too. But after them, I have Drexel coming in at number three. This is a team that lost a lot of seniors last year. They're young, but biggest thing that I think that they can actually be fantastic if they figure out is if they can be consistent last year. If you look at their schedule, they started out. Oh, and two, then they went on a four and run. Then they went on an Oh, and three run. Then they went on a two and Oh run. And then they ended the season on an Oh, and three run. So they never lost or they never, you know, alternated win losses. They, I, they always had some kind of streak to every single part of their season. So I, I think that if they want to have a, a good chance at winning this conference title, they got to figure out that inconsistency string together multiple wins. And they need to be able to bounce back from a loss too. on top of that. They can't just, when they take a loss, they can't get another loss immediately. Uh, if they can figure that out, I think this is a good team. I think they'll be a good team. They're always a great team. Like, they always make some kind of noise, Drexel. I, I mean, I always think that they're a fun team to watch. So after them is a team that I think is really interesting. They're joining this conference from the America East last year. It's Stony Brook. I have them as my dark horse too in this conference. I They're my dark horse. I think that they can come in. I think they're going to be able to fight for a conference title right away. I don't think they're going to miss a step. Uh, I mean, last year in the America East, they lost to Vermont in the uh, championship game for the or the conference championship game. I I think that they have every right to come in here. And as we talked about, there was so much parity in the CAA last year. I think Stony Brook has every right to come in and kind of make a claim and establish themselves as a team that's going to be at the top of this conference year in year out. Um, their coach Gallardi has not had a losing season in his three years in charge. And I really don't think that's going to change this year. Uh, and the only reason that I don't have them placed any higher is because of the fact that they're joining a new conference and they've got to figure out all these teams. They don't have that experience of playing every single team year in, year out. Um, I do really like them, but and that's why I have them as my dark horse, but I, I, I'm scared to put them above four right now. I think that they'll get into that tournament, and I think that they could make some noise in there, which I think will be exciting to see this year. Stony Brook has they have a they have a niche where they can they can play spoiler to anybody. Oh yeah, if they want. I agree. Um, and with the coach, never I didn't know that coach had has never had a losing season. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you there. They can they can make some noise, and now that now that they're in the CAA, they got they can make some more. Oh yeah, uh, and then after them, I've got another team that honestly I was thinking about putting as my dark horse is Fairfield at number five. I really like this team. I, I really really like this team. Um, I, I the, one of my the biggest like sticking point with me as to why I like this team so much is they bring back two freshmen who were phenomenal for them last year, specifically McKenna on offense. He won rookie of the year title uh, awards for CAA and he ran that offense as a freshman. He came in and just took the reins of it. Um, And I, I think that this is a team last year, every single one of their games, 
I, I think they were seven and six last year or something around there. Uh, they only won, lost one game by more than four goals. Every single game. Games too, right? Oh, I'll, yeah. Their offense. The, the question for this team is not if their offense can put points on the board. It's if their defense can just hold the other team to less. Not even if they can hold them to like a low amount, just less than what their offense can do. Uh, which they were not able to last year. I mean, a couple of their games ended in like 20 to 18, like in the teens, high teens, a couple games, which is crazy. Uh, but like I, like I was saying their, their biggest loss was to Villanova in February. And that was seven goals. Every single other game they played their largest margin of loss was four goals, which is crazy. Cause I, most teams that are like, that don't have a great record or aren't that close or far above 500 always have, it seems like one game that's a blowout, but they also had a really good out of conference schedule too. They didn't play like just pushovers. And that's the reason why they lost by not that much. Um, I think this Fairfield team is could definitely surprise some people in this conference. I, I would, if I had a dark horse pick number two, it would definitely be them. I'm really interested to see how they do. Uh, and I think they will be a fun team to watch. So after Fairfield coming in number six in this conference, we've got Hofstra. I, I, this team should be better than what it is. I feel like, um, they had a couple guys on the all rookie team last year for CAA, but at the same time, they also were on both sides of a 20 to like single digit blowout. They blew out Sacred Heart, but then they got blown out by Rutgers. And you've got to have some more consistency than that. I They were two and three in conference, so they're able to get some wins. But I mean, I just I don't see them. I, I don't see that they've made too many strides to put themselves above some other teams in this conference that are staying the same, that were better than them already or even growing better than that. And that's why I'm hesitant to put them any higher than this. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised, but uh, as of right now, going into the season, I don't see Hofstra doing anything better than just place at number six right now. I maintain that Hofstra is one of the hardest teams to pick in mm-hmm. college across. I, I, I pick them way more than I should because I know they're capable, but they disappoint me so much. You look at them and you think that they should be able to get the win. Like it's just, and I think it's not even that they play in close games. Like I said, they'll get blown out sometimes. And it's just disappointing to see them play lower than maybe it was just a down year for them. Maybe they'll, they'll prove us wrong and ha- and like just completely bounce back this year. But I, I don't know. I don't see it right now. But going down to the last two teams of the conference, second to the last, we've got a new team in the CAA. They're joining from the Mac. We've got Monmouth at number seven. This team has everything to prove in this conference this year. They went two and four in conference play in the Mac last year. And this is a, much better conference that they're joining. So I, on top of that, they lost, they're losing four of their top five point scorers from last year. So they need to find a new offensive identity. They need to do it fast and they got to be cohesive. If they want to try to make any sort of movement in this conference first year, if not, they're just gotta, they're going to have a, an adapting a little bit of an adaption period to the CAA. Uh, I think I had that same problem that Glazer had with Hofstra last year, but I had that with Monmouth where I picked them yeah. a few weekends and they just didn't, they just didn't get the win. Well, Monmouth has been, 
they've the definitely they been in games EQ. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been impressive before. It's not like they're a complete pushover. I, by no means do I think they're a complete pushover. I just last year was a completely down year for them. And I didn't even realize they went two and four in the Mac. That's it's bad. I don't like that's them. bad. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. And the only win that I think they'll get in conference play this year is coming against the team that I have projected to be at the bottom of the conference. This is Hampton. They don't have a single win since 2019. They're mm-hmm. 0 and 16 since then. I don't have that much to say on this team. They're they're going to finish last in the CAA. Yeah, I agree. I, they're going to get a win in the next couple of years. I can feel it. But yeah, not this year. Not this one. So going on to the the Big Ten now. We oh, have, baby. Yeah. Exciting year for the Big Ten. And uh, I, I, this should be no surprise to anybody. I got Maryland at the one spot. Yes, uh, sir. We don't I, even need to describe why. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even remember the last time they lost a game. Um, the only note I had on them was that they got the number eight freshman coming in. Defenseman Will Schaller. God, I hope I didn't butcher that name. Um, but I'm excited to see this kid play. Apparently, he was a pretty solid junior hockey player, and he exploded on the lacrosse scene uh, late, late, in, uh, late in high school. He's a Bel Air, Maryland native, played at the Hill School. So It's like the rich I'll get play. richer. They're yeah. returning, uh, what's his name? As a Pudo. Oh, I'm totally butchering that right now. As a Pudo or whatever his name is. The oh, Ajax Apatello. Apatello. Thank you. That guy. Yeah, they were returning awesome. him on defense. What the hell? God, Maryland. Jeez. Yeah. Just oh, re- reloading and primed for another great year. I think year after year Tillman is, I think he's the best coach in college across right now. He is so best good. Recruiter at least. Yeah. By far. And, uh, at the second spot, again, probably not a big surprise. I got Rutgers finished fourth in the NCAA last year. They had the unfortunate circumstance of playing three Ivy League teams in the NCAA tournament. The only other note I had, they did have some weird games at the end of the season with Michigan and Penn State. Um, they beat both of them by one goal in each of those games. Um, they didn't get many transfers in the portal. Uh, but they have experienced players all over the field, and they've had the advantage of practicing with some of the be- best players that have come through that program over the last few years. So um, I don't see really any reason why they shouldn't be a number two. Um, Ross Scott is he's electric. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, the only other team I see them dethroning them is the next team I have at the three spot. It's Ohio State. Um, to be honest, I, me, we talked about this, I think last week I wasn't completely sold on Ohio state, but I think that was mainly because I hadn't looked at their roster and they released their roster a few days ago. They're returning four of their top six point leaders, uh, last season as grad students got five transfers from the portal. Um, they solidified themselves as a team to look out for with wins over UNC, Harvard and Notre Dame last season. And I'm actually excited to see this kid, Ari Allen, play. He was a soft, he's a sophomore. I really like his game. He only had 13 points in 2022. But with uh, some spots opening up uh, at the midfield, I think he can be a big contributor for them. As long as they can be consistent. That was my biggest issue with Ohio State last year. 
Yeah, and I think that they'll uh, they'll continue staying consistent because they got Jack Myers coming back as well um, at attack. So they still got their uh, heavy hitter there. They had some close games against teams that it should not have been close. Oh, yeah. Um, and then at number four, I have Johns Hopkins. Yeah. And I cannot express my dislike more for this team. <laughs> Growing up in a Maryland household, we were I was I was always taught blue is the light the light blue is like red to a bull. Like um <laughs> and uh I'm just unsure how they'll fare how they'll fare against the Big Ten. Granted, I've gone through that same thought process the last two years with them. They seem to struggle at the beginning of the season and then uh pick it back up in Big Ten. I think that's going to be a little tougher this year. I think Michigan's developing pretty well. Penn State will want to have a much better season than they did last year. So I think I think they have a I think they have a tougher time. And they also got matchups against Jacksonville, Utah, and Navy, um, all on the road uh, in 2023. I mean, they could realistically lose all three of those games. That is a that is interesting three game stretch. I got um, maybe not even a three game stretch, but just three games. Hmm. Yeah. But I will say I am an avid Hopkins hater. Um, if they don't have a good season this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some changes. But um, I'm also not rooting for their down, downfall because, frankly, I think college lacrosse is more exciting when Hopkins is successful. I love the Hopkins-Maryland matchups. And, you I know, agree with that. I just want them. I want them to be successful. I don't have to like them, but I I think it's better for college lacrosse if Hopkins is a is at a uh, top level and then at number five i'm interested to see what you guys think about this i have michigan i agree i have them over penn state too me too me too yep no i uh they granted they have a much tougher schedule this year but i respect the hell out of them for doing that they they need to they can't freaking do what they did last year again oh they're not gonna go seven and now oh yeah no I, i respect that they're going out and consistently playing good teams um this year um jury is still out whether they'll be able to take down those teams because they got to play uva harvard and notre dame Mm -hmm. uh in those out of conference stretches uh those will be tough games for them um i do think that they can take down marquette and delaware they beat both of those teams last year um i had a question mark on harvard because i'm just not sold on it i'm interested to see what glazer will say about harvard in the ivy league uh, shortly, but yeah, um, I think realistically, if they can win three of those games, they have a pretty solid chance at the big 10 tournament this year. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. They're returning like their whole offense too, which is crazy. Like I think like their entire offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are. They're returning a lot of guys, a lot of starters. Um, and all of their big 10 games outside of the Maryland game, obviously, but they lost one goal games to Rutgers and Penn State and OT, two to OSU, three to Hopkins. You know, they play these teams tough. Their downfall is just that they got they got outscored in the second quarter each of those games. So, you know, I think if they start fast in the first half, they don't have to play catch up later in the game. And then I have Penn State in my last spot. Really brings me no joy because I really like Penn State. I really like their program. Their downfall is that they had that their three point leaders only had 15 goals or more last year. And that's not like uh, that's not a very 
sexy stat, I would say, for lacrosse for lacrosse teams. This team needs Grant Amen and Mac O'Keefe to have like an eighth or ninth year of college to be relevant. <laughs> yeah. They need them back badly. Yeah. They they're gonna lean on like Costin, Peden, and Trainer a lot. Um yeah, just uh, I forget who made the point earlier, but they, but one of you guys said something about having a guy. I think that's just all they really need. They need a guy um, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and just to finish out, I got Maryland winning the regular season, winning the tournament. Um, I got Hopkins and OSU as my dark horses. Um, just watch out for those teams. Hopkins is known for making a late, uh, late run in the stretch in the uh, end of the season. Um, and Hopkins, I think they're a top 10 team. I think they can, they have the potential to be a top 10 team this year. Hopkins or no OSU, OSU. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good, 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 good. I was about <laughs> to question the hell out of you. <laughs> no, not Hopkins, not this year. Not now. Questioning my thought process after <laughs> if I said that, geez. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's you. I, I think the, the big 10 is probably the most predictable it's been in a while. Um, I'm sure it won't unfold that way, but I think there's just not enough changes to warrant any surprises. Yeah, Next yeah. up, we have what I think might be the most this interesting conference. conference in all of Division One, the MAC. I am so excited to go over this conference. Um, I will begin that obviously St. Bonaventure is now gone. Um, and now this conference has 10 teams, which means everyone has a nine team conference slate. So you're probably only playing five to seven games at a conference. And then you're getting right into it in like mid, 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 late March. Um, so to hop right in, my number one spot goes to the defending, uh, AQ winners, the Manhattan Jaspers. I was really impressed with them last year down the stretch not a sexy team, not an interesting team, but a team that finds a way to win in the Mac. I think they're where they play is really cool. They have like a subway station right behind where the camera is. Um, it's just, it's a cool environment in the city. Um, they have, I think a really nice mix of an out of conference schedule where some games are very gettable. Other games are a challenge for like Princeton and Navy. Um, they have a new coach, but he's been on the staff. So I don't really expect that many changes in terms of like personnel or strategy or anything like that. Um, the two top point getters return their top cost turnover guy returns, but they lose their goalie, right? Not a lot to talk about here. I just, I think they're a good team. I think they find a way to win in the Mac. And, um, I think, I think they, I think they win the regular season. I do not think they get the AQ. I'll be very clear about that. Do I do think it's the AQ is my second team, and that is the Marist Red Foxes. Really? Yes. Yes. Really? A bit of a surprise. A bit of a surprise, right? They went seven and eight last year, five and one in the max. So they were tied for first. Okay. 18 seniors and graduate students. That's a big point for me. 18. That's one of the largest numbers I've seen in my previews. It's almost um, on the side of the field. Right? Almost you know, two jokes. Jojo Pareka was the guy. Lions look to help him again. Depth is a concern with this team, right? They're, they're guys are their guys, and they haven't played a lot of guys outside of that. I think Maris this year finds their pre-COVID outbreak swagger. If you guys remember, like Maris was humming 
And then they just had a COVID outbreak on the team and the school shut them down for like a month and a half. And they just, they haven't been the same since. Like they just weren't that team last year. I think they find it this year. I think they get the automatic bid. I really like what they have and I'm excited for them. I do you have LIU next? Yes. I have LIU yes. much higher than, okay. So I have LIU as three. Obviously, they're new to the MAC. They came from the NEC and a very good team in the NEC. This team's been really impressive since coming to D1. Um, their out-of-conference schedule is partially why I have them lower. I think it's kind of like a Michigan schedule like last year. They, I think they go undefeated out of conference, and I don't think that serves them well for the MAC. Their offensive production will be the question, and that's why I have them lower as well. They lose three of their top five point getters from last year. You're going to have to factor some new people in. Um, LaCondra comes back in to steady the defense. He's kind of their veteran back there. I just have a lot of questions with this team, right? The Sharks, I pick a lot, but I'm similar to your point with um, – Teams new conferences with Stony Brook dry band. Like, I just don't know how LIU factors into this Mac. And so that's why I have them at three. That's fair. At four, my favorite, favorite dark horse, the Siena Saints. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Interesting. I like that a lot. Why? Last year year was really strong by Siena standards. They went six and nine. They were only, they went three and three in the conference. They were fourth. Most of their losses were really, really, really tight. Like they did not lose by a ton in most of their games. If you guys recall, they absolutely smothered Monmouth. They beat them 10 to one. That was one of the most uninteresting and simultaneously interesting games I watched all last year. And they also beat St. Bonaventure. Like they this did. team knows how to win in the Mac. Yeah. They're not going to be high scoring. I don't think they scored more than like maybe 13, um, but it doesn't matter if, if you can lock the other team down, you'll, you'll be fine. They, they lose uh, a productive guy in Jack Kiernan, but um, they have a 40 and a 41 point returner in Pratt Reynolds and Christian Watts. They have a uh, defenseman with 19 calls turnovers, Marsala returning. They have a fifth-year goalie who was at a 63% last year in Yan Choris. I'm just really intrigued by this squad's potential. They probably have a sub-500 record, but it doesn't matter. If they can compete in the MAC tournament, they might be able to make the national tournament. Like, I, I was so impressed with them last year. I got to give them credit. They're my dark horse. Wow. Never would I hear or imagine that Siena would be a dark horse to win a conference, (laughs) any conference, not even just Mac, but any conference. Right below them is another NEC edition. I have the Mount, the Mountaineers of Emmitsburg at fifth. Um, I had them above Siena when I did mine. Okay. So 19 seniors. That's a lot. Um, A lot of experience coming back. This team it's capable of the upset. They had that early win against Navy. They had a nice win against UMBC last year. Their points leader in Jared McMahon uh, returns, but he only had 32 points. Kind of like Sienna, not a particularly high-scoring team. Mitchell Dunham on the defensive side with 24 calls turnovers, right? Defense goalkeeping is going to be the mantra for this Mount team. I 
I think almost in contrast to LIU, I think like the Mount has some potential here. I think the NEC was challenging for them, but I think they probably win a couple more games now that they're in the Mac um, and they find themselves competing for a, uh, a tournament spot, at least in the conference level, right? The Mount's been down the past couple of years. I, I think this is the year where they slowly, slowly come back. Okay, now this next one even shocked me. Number six, the VMI key debts. I wow, struggle to put them this high, but high. I have I have to give them the utmost respect for making the SoCon tournament. Right, that was awesome last year. I mean, yes, they got trounced by Jacksonville in the tournament, but it doesn't matter. Like for VMI to even compete, for VMI to get in the tournament, like that is awesome. So obviously they're new from the SoCon, but if you look at their schedule, like they can expect to win their games against Detroit Mercy, Queens, Hampton, and Bellarmine. Like they can win those games at a conference before they even go into the MAC. They have a, a you know a points leader co- comes in. They have uh, their so I should say top three points leaders return. They had two twenty plus calls turnover guys. Goalkeeping is a bit of a question. Look, this team is not a dark horse. They're not good enough to be a dark horse, but I think they can be a surprise. I do not think by any means they finish last in the MAC. I, I, I think no. they get more competitive, and I'm I'm really excited for them. I think VMI has every single right to have maybe their best season in the past 10 years, if not even longer than that this year. Totally agree. Maybe best season in program history, to be honest with you. Yeah. At the seventh seed, I have Sacred Heart another NEC transfer. Um, the schedule features an appropriate slate. They got some tough ones against St. Joe's, Stony Brook, some gettable ones against Lafayette, maybe Fairfield, mixed one with Drexel, just like a, a good mix of a schedule out of a conference. Um, their leaders in points were sophomores, so that's definitely promising. Their defense and goalkeeping, faceoff guy, you know, Lower middle of the pack. That's kind of who the pioneers are. I think like VMI, they should expect to win a little bit more um, in this conference. They were eighth in the NEC last year. So I, I don't think they're last. Um, Sacred Heart, I feel like, is always poised to like win one surprising game in conference and then just kind of putter out. Um, but that's who they are. They're the pioneers of Connecticut. Um, I just, they're okay. They're not that impressive. They never will be, at least in the near term. Um, I, I just, I don't have anything else. These next two teams, I would almost put as like a tie for eighth. Um, <laughs> I don't know which two teams they like are. The same team, uh, Quinnipiac and Canisius. Yeah. Um, so you guys know, I, for some reason, am usually decently high on Quinnipiac. I pick them a fair amount, especially in Mac games. But last year was a big disappointment. They went two and 11, one and five in conference. You know, the Donnery brothers on this team ran the show and they have a cluster of, you know, their top six or all their top point getters. They don't have a lot of depth outside of that. Because of their season last year, I will not be as high on the Bobcats this year. I wish I could be, but I just won't. Similarly with Canisius, just a team that almost had an identical record. 
two and 12, one and five. Um, again, their leading points leader, like Quinnipiac returns. He was a redshirt sophomore and he actually was a leading points getter on the team. And he played three less games than anyone else. So he's clearly their, their uh, productive guy. Canisius watching them uh, and hearing about guys that have played them is among the scrappiest and toughest teams outside of the academies. So this team will scrap. Um, scrappiness does not always translate to wins, and I don't think it does this year. So I have them pretty low. Um, and I think this is, like Quinnipiac, going to be a down year for them. And finally, I have the Wagner Seahawks at 10th. Last year was not bad for them, right? They had a three-win season, which is pretty decent for Wagner. Um, They lose their top point getters, which is not great. But their goalkeeper, Danny Brady, was at uh, 60% last year, so that's definitely encouraging. Um, Look, I have Wagner as 10 right now, but I honestly don't think they finish last. I think probably Canisius or Quinnipiac does. But... I just trust other teams and their history a little bit more than Wagner right now. And so at this point before the season, I'm going to have them in last, but I, I, I think, I think they get a couple wins and I think it can be a, a surprise for themselves. Not outside of that. That's the Mac. A great conference. I look forward to seeing it. That's going to be an exciting conference. I have similar ish. I'm high on LIU. I think LIU wins that conference this year. But I, like I really it. like them. I, I really like LIU too. I, uh, I think Manhattan puts up a big fight against them. I will say I didn't really look too much into this conference. I did not realize that Mount St. Mary's had moved on. To right. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I like Mount St. Mary's. I, I would like to see them have more success than the fifth spot that you got them at. But you know, I, I think you hit really hit the nail on the coffin with the, with the, that analysis. I mean, quite frankly, you can have Manhattan, Marist, and LIU as the top three. Yeah. And then kind of like everyone else could be four or ten. It It's that kind of conference, and that's why I think it's such a great conference. Yeah, I agree. I think you could put – I think Mount St. Mary's is a little bit better than putting them in the four to ten. I think they're right there fringe in between like a little bit of a buffer. And then I think five to ten – Yes, I think you can all just put them in the same pot, basically. That's so exciting. I'm just, oh, what a. Yeah, I mean, which is because the most exciting part is that five and six both get to make the conference tournament. Like, there's going to be. So, I think so. Two of those teams are going to go into the conference tournament. So, and as a disclaimer to everybody listening, if you haven't uh, noticed by now, uh, we have said a lot of teams have left the NEC and are joining different conferences. That is because the NEC is disbanded. There is no NEC this year. Uh, So every single conference, like team that was in that conference, you have either heard them join a different conference or you will hear. I think there's a couple more remaining teams from the NEC uh, that we're about to touch on that have joined a couple different conferences. Um, One of those conferences is actually the next one that I'm going to be talking about, which is the America East. This conference, I think, is going to be really exciting this year. Uh. There is one new team, Bryant, that is coming from the NEC, like I just said, that I think could make this conference really exciting. And uh, to cap or to begin it, we've got who I think 
are going to repeat as champions of this conference. I've got Vermont. I think they're going to come back. I think they're going to win this conference again. Um, I will say they are losing a lot of experience. Like I touched on before, uh, McCovney at attack, losing him is huge. He's, he was their offense, their, their point getter last year when they needed some offense, they looked to him. Um, and also on top of that, Tommy Burke at the ACE at the X are two big losses for this team. Um, but I'm still not counting them out. Uh, under Chris Faiths, this team has been electric. And in the last two seasons, they've been 13 and two in CAA play. They went undefeated last year. And I, I think that they're going to keep that rolling. I, I really don't see this team losing any momentum. Next team, which might be a little bit of a, a hot take, but I think the number two team in this tournament or in this conference is UMBC next year. Totally agree. I was afraid you to say someone else. Totally agree. I, I really, really like this UMBC team. Um, I think they can fill the void left by Stony Brook uh, as the number two team in this conference. Um, they're returning a lot of experience from last year, but they got to be consistent. They weren't that consistent last year. They were sub 500. Uh, they didn't capitalize on some games that they should have won. Um, but I think this year that experience, like I said, if they can just connect the dots, I really like this UMBC team. I think that they can make a good push against Vermont. Um, and, and, you know, try and get this, uh, get that AQ at the end of the year, even if they don't win the regular season. And number three is another team. My dark horse for this year or for this conference. It's Bryant. I love this team joining this conference. I just like UMBC. I really think that Vermont, UMBC and Dart and Bryant all have a very good chance at winning this conference. I think they all have a really good chance. I think it's going to be some really good games between these three during the season and during the conference tournament. I think these three teams are going to make the conference tournament. I think they're all going to have to play each other who at like, regardless of whoever has to play each other in the semifinals, one of these three teams is going to match up. They finished second in the NEC last year. Brian did. And I mean, they're returning a load of players on offense that played integral roles on that team. I think they've got every right to make a good run. Um, really excited to see how they play against teams in this conference and excited to see if they can actually make some noise and win that conference tournament first year in. So Pressler's got a, he, he runs a very gritty team. Oh, he's yeah. gone now though. He's gone. He's gone. No way. Yeah. Where's he? Where is he coach now? He's coaching at a high school in Texas. Oh yeah. Oh, Highland park. That's, That's why, I mean, I agree. I think hey, I Ryan is the three seed, but I think there are some questions about how this team's coached. Dang. I didn't know that Pressler moved on. Dang. Right. It, it did not make headlines as it should have, but yeah. I Man. didn't know that either. Okay. Gotta always go to the Still keeping track, him at number man. three, but, you know. <laughs> so the next team after Bryant is a team that, you know, has had some down years compared to what they were at. I've got Albany at number four. This is a really young team. I, I mean, they, they were a really young team. I think the biggest issue was their defense. They had three different goalies start a game last year, which is a lot. Yeah. It is a lot of turbulence at the goalie position where you need as a defense. I mean, Devoy, you know, this as well as I do, you need to have a good, a goalie that's consistent in the back. If you have an injury, 
it is what it is. You're going to have a new goalie back there. But I mean, next man up mentality with that. Yeah. Three goalies though is kind of crazy to me to have start at separate times throughout the season. And on top of that too, they pulled goalies in a lot of games because of how badly they were losing because of the inconsistency with a goalie. And I think that also stems from having, I mean, if you got to a point where you're switching out goalies so much, any goalie on that team is going to have a lack of confidence, regardless of who you start. Yeah. I mean, and if your goalie is lacking confidence that translates to the, to the overall defense as well. Yeah. That, the goalie is the vocal leader. Um, and I'm surprised that you said that because I, when you were, when you said that they went through three goalies, I was like, did they go through injuries or something? Um, but you said that they, they're just mostly rotating. Cause like mm-hmm. they didn't have really a guy that was performing well in, in most games throughout the season, they had, I think like over half their games, they had two goalies play because at some point they pulled a goalie because he was like sub 40. I, I think I'm pretty sure not uh, on top of how many goalies they played, not a single one of the three that did have time starting were above 50%. Dang. They were 43, 40 and 48. Yeah. Was their three goalie save percentages, which is crazy. It's, it's not good. It's not something you want to have. Yeah, with with all the interchanging that they did, um, those goalies didn't have as many opportunities to get those percentages up. So if you when oh yeah, with those lower percentages, that just doesn't look too pleasing at all um, Mm -hmm. coming into the next season. I mean, they did have a good highlight. They beat Syracuse in that Albany Syracuse rivalry. Mm -hmm. Granted, it was also a super bad Syracuse side last year, but they still got that win. Which I mean. They got a little bit of a, a a plus, so hopefully this this team, like I said, was very young last year. They're bringing back most of their guys. I think they're going to be able to finish in the top half of this conference. I really do think they have the tools to be able to do that. I just they've got to have some kind of cohesiveness on the defensive side yeah. for that to happen. Um, so after Albany, I have another team that did well last year. I've got Binghamton at number five. Uh, this is a team that I like a lot. They're always really competitive. Um, I, this team, as I've said, I do not trust teams that are inconsistent. I don't want to put them very high in rankings, preseason rankings, especially for conference because Binghamton was that to a T last year. They were able to beat UMBC in Albany in back-to-back conference games that were huge to put them in the tournament, but then they lost at the end of the season to UMass Lowell. Like you can't, I, I, in that big of a conference game, like, I don't know how you can go ahead and lose to a team that is at the bottom of your conference. That is consistently at the bottom of your conference. I, I, I think Binghamton has to get a little bit better consistency. They, they can prove it to me this year. I hope they can prove it to me this year. Uh, but until they do, until I see it, I'd, don't even want to say that they're a dark horse at all. Cause I think they still have to like to prove that they have the ability to do that. Um, cause they've shown some flashes, but the, the lows are low that they've had. So that's why I have them at number five. So number six, I've got another team joining from the NEC. We have Mary Mack. So they finished in the middle of the NEC last year. Uh, I think that this America East conference is a little bit better overall than NEC was. Um, So I think they're not going to do as well, but I think the best thing that they have is that they have uh, Henry 
Vought returning at goalie. I hope I pronounced that right. It's almost your same last name, Voight, but no I. Uh, he was 56% save percentage last year as a sophomore, which I think is huge having him return. Just as I explained with Albany, having consistency at goalie is a really, really big factor at having a good defense. Biggest example of that was St. Bonnie's last year with, uh, oh my Dobson. God. Yeah. Th- uh, Brett Dobson in. Like, I mean, he was able to lock that defense down and make them what it was. Um, so I think that's a really big highlight for Merrimack having their goalie come back, especially one that's so good and seems so sound in between the in the, between the pipes. But as we said, unfamiliarity within a conference, don't want to rank them too high in it. So that's why I've got them at six right here. After Merrimack, we move into the last two spots. I've got in second to last UMass Lowell. They've got, they've shown some bright spots. Like I said, they beat Bing, uh, Binghamton. They're able to play with some teams, but they're also going to get blown out in some games. I mean, <laughs> their defense let up an average of 14.8 goals per game last year. That's absurd. I Against mean, America East opponents. Yeah. Well. I mean, they've only had three wins since the COVID season. And uh, like I just uh, said their defense is letting them down. Their offense is able to score points, which is a, a good thing, but their defense just can't hold them in games. In the two games that they did win last year, the reason they won them is because they only let up seven games or seven goals in both games. So their defense was able to pull through. So if their defense can do that, then maybe they can, you know, move up the rankings. But until then, I've got them finishing at the bottom of the barrel in this conference. Only beating the last team that I have, NGIT or NJIT. I just, they've never proven themselves. They only have seven wins since their first season in 2015. And guess what? Four of those seven wins have been against one program. You got the wall, baby. Nope. Hampton. No way. It's been against Hampton. They have four wins against Hampton. Oh my good. Well, they, I mean, I have watched them play UMass Lowell every year because I feel like it's going to be such a good game. And it is. Um, that's crazy. I thought they'd beat UMass a little more. Not as much as Hampton, which is over half of their wins since joining D1. There we go. So, I mean, they didn't win a single game last year, not just conference game, just single game period. Cause I guess they didn't put Hampton on their schedule again. Uh, but I mean, especially after conference realignment and a couple of teams joining this year, I, I don't see NGIT winning a game again. So they're at the bottom for me rounding out this conference, which I think will be very exciting to watch, especially the top half. I think we'll have some really good games there. Down to our final three and arguably most intriguing three conferences. Oh, the old mute buttons. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, I was, uh, Lila came down and, uh, yeah, I had, uh, Lila's a dog. She was, she was people dog. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got the, uh, to start off with these last three conferences, I got the Patriot league. So I have BU taking the top spot. Uh, no surprise to any of us. I, I don't think, uh, I will say they got a big target on their backs with a lot of these Patriot league teams reloading and, uh, got some, and they, and have been active in the transfer portal this year. They're, uh, I think the Patriot league is theirs to lose. Um, they do have their top five point leaders returning. 
So it's scary offense on paper. And I believe that their second line midfield midfield is returning as well. So they're returning their depth. Um, and uh, they got a lot of uh, young D guys and LSMs. A lot of their defensemen are uh, put on their roster as LSM slash D D close guys. So um, expect some of those guys to move down to close, fill out, fill some spots there. But um, another season where BU can, you know, repeat what their success from last year. And at the number two spot, I had army. So I did see, I, when I was going through these teams, I did have a lot of movement. I had Loyola army Navy at this two spot, but I ultimately went with army just cause they're returning a lot of, uh, experienced players and, uh, a few starters as well. Um, I forgot that this Cornell game even happened last year, but they went up on Cornell seven to nothing by the second quarter. Cornell didn't score until like 10 minutes left in the second quarter. So they, they can start off fast and they can stay consistent as well. Um, I think if they just continue what they do best, physical one-on-ones, elite off-ball movement on offense and a, uh, a stout defense, I think they have a chance to uh, uh, do a lot, uh, repeat a lot of their success uh, again. Yeah, I mean, this team was a clear at-large bid had it not been for the Ivies and had they not lost to Loyola. I mean, a clear at-large bid for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're going to be doing the, they're going to be doing, doing the same thing that they did last year where they're going to play Cornell in their third to last game. And then they follow up with Navy and BU. So another That's tough stretch. End. Yeah. Another tough way to end uh, the regular season, but I think they got the guys and I think they got the experience and coaching staff to do so. And then at number three, I have Loyola. Yes. Let's go. I am Redemption season this year. I am. I am high on the Greyhounds. They did lose Lindley and Olmstead last year, um, but experience-wise, they have a great team across the board. Uh, one to two goal games against Rutgers, Hopkins, and Army twice. Uh, Matt Hughes is back leading the close defense, uh, so they'll have some leadership down there. Uh, no official schedule yet, but they traditionally play some pretty solid teams at the beginning of the season, so... I don't expect anything different there. I think with this team, though, there's a lot of question marks as to who's going to be the leader on offense. It looks like that it's going to be Poitras and this guy, Evan James. Um, Evan James, fun fact, uh, went to Dublin Kaufman High School in Dublin, Ohio, uh, and he led his team to a 17-0 record uh, and a state championship in 2019, where they evidently play at my alma mater, Ohio Westland. It's gone. Um, oh yeah. And uh yeah, and the last thing I had here, Charlie Toomey. We all know he's a phenomenal coach. He's gonna ha- get have those guys prepared week in and week out for matchups. As long as they don't start 0 and four to the freaking season again. Oh, well, let's not let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a it's a sensitive subject for Glazer. <laughs> let's not talk about it. And uh at number four, I have Navy. Another team with experience, younger defense, going to be a tough matchup. I like their upside. I had, like I said, I had them at the two spot early on when I was making these, uh, making these analysis, you know, they, they did drop games to mountain high point last year. I think, uh, they, they have those same two teams this year. So I think they, uh, I think they can take those games, uh, this year. 
Uh, they also got to play Villanova and Hopkins, uh, two other tough matchups, but I, I think I expect them to perform well. Uh, and then at number five, this is, this is where I kind of think that there's going to be some controversy. Don't because say it. I have Bucknell. Oh, fifth spot. Nine and six. Nine and six last year, five, uh, three and five in the conference. Um, they have a tough, they have a tough schedule out of conference with Robert Morris, Richmond and Harvard, but I'm eager to see how these guys start the season. I think they're slept on team. Uh, their leader in goals, Connor Davis is returning after a fantastic freshman campaign. Um, they do have a young team, but they have some senior leadership here and there. Um, so I think, uh, you know, if these guys get find an identity and a direction to go in, I think they can see a lot of success this year. Bucknell can give any Patriot league team some fits. Oh yeah. One. Oh yeah. I'm, I feel bad boy, but I'm, I'm going to keep sleeping on Bucknell. You, you you do that. I hope your nap is fantastic and refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I have Colgate at number. Holy, six. how do you have Lehigh? Okay, that's ridiculous. I will get to Lehigh in a moment. Um, I the Raiders. <laughs> what? I have the Colgate Raiders taking that last spot at six, making the conference tournament experienced defense they got some juniors and seniors down there all starters returning i believe uh they had an injury bug last year some players missed a few games even including my guy rory connor um i think they'll want to start strong and i think they uh they're out to prove something this year i think they uh, make some noise in their out of conference schedule whenever that releases um and i think they take down some of these uh these better patriot league teams I will give you major props if that's true. Come, come April and May major props. And, uh, moving on to the seventh spot. I do have Lehigh. Okay. Here here they are. That's so low for them. The reason I have them so low is that they will have to play Cornell Navy and Georgetown uh, in their out of conference schedule and Hobart too, who are no scrubs at all, uh, by any sense. Um, I'm just not big on Lehigh. I didn't like how they finished the season last year. Um, they got, they got, I think they got some guys leaving. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't really get a good look at their roster. I'm not sure how many starters are coming back or experienced guys are coming back. So they, they have objectively um, the best face off guy in college lacrosse. They do. They do. They do. Sisselberger is a dog. He is a dog. Right. He is a dog, but like it's a team game too, as well. Yeah. You know, I'm, but they're not dogs. They're mountain Hawks, right? They're, they're, they're just Hawks. <laughs> uh, let me see here. They, I think they had a good stretch out of the um, last season where they just were turning the ball over a lot. Not something very good to see. Um, I, I really just had them at this low spot cause I'm not sold on them yet. Their schedule looks really tough and I really like the upside of these other teams. Okay. Um, we like bold takes. That's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the bold takes here. And then lastly, I got Lafayette and Holy Cross. Um, yeah, that's, not a, bold take. that's not a bold take. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Um, 
But yeah, just they don't convince me very much. Not a ton of confidence, but who knows? They can make a run when we least suspect it and make me look like an idiot. So, I think Lafayette has maybe a spark of chance doing that. Holy Cross, no, I don't. I don't see Holy Cross having literally any chance of winning a single conference game this year. Yeah, we we shall see. Um, I think they win a few out of conference games, but the Patriot League very tough this year. Um, I got Boston winning the regular season. I have Army getting the AQ, winning the tournament. Um, and I got Loyola, Colgate, and Bucknell. I kind of just mixed them all together as my dark horses. Interesting. So I'm excited for the Patriot League, man. I think uh, I think uh, Bucknell and Colgate are a lot better than what people think. Yeah, I mean, the, the middle of that conference is up for grabs. I have the exact same first two and last two as you. It's just that entire middle is jumbled. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a great competitive conference. And um, I mean, it produces, I think, one of the best conference tournaments that lacrosse has to offer. Yeah, I um, agree with that. I have the distinct pleasure now of going over the Ivy League. This was <laughs> so, so hard. This was so, so hard. Um, this This conference was awesome last year. This conference was everything that we hoped lacrosse could be. Um, it showed how much lacrosse means to people when it was taken away and how much heart these guys played with when they came back. Um, and i I expected to repeat this year. I expect this conference to be just as good this year. I don't know if they get as many teams in the tournament this year. I think a lot of things had to work out in the right way for that to happen. But nonetheless, a really intriguing conference. And to start it off, my number one team is the Penn Quakers. Oh. <laughs> Boys, I think I know Maryland's really good. I know Virginia's really good. I know Georgetown's really good. I think Penn might be the best team in the country. I am not kidding. I, they are awesome. Okay. I don't know. Okay. 17 seniors. Oh, my God. Pop. They have 17 seniors this year. 17 seniors for an Holy Ivy League team. God. All of their top six point getters, they all return. Hanley, Gregar, Fury, Ruben, Smith, and Shipley. Their top five calls turnover guys return. BJ Farrar, Blake, Bond, Lavelle, and Gregar again on the attack side with that great ride. The keeper torch passes, you know, passes away from Birkenshaw, so that could be some questions. But I think that this squad is like the Rams in the NFL last year. It is championship robust for the Penn Quakers. Like this is it. The only downside to them is they're out of conference. Is oh my! I mean, they play like at Georgetown, Berlin. Duke, Penn State, St. Joe's, and Villanova. That, that that's tough, especially before you play an Ivy League slate. I predict that they will lose two, three of those games. But like they have in the past, they'll learn and they'll win when it matters. And I think that Penn wins the automatic bid. I do not think they win the regular season. I, I mean, think, honestly, I think that they only lost in that beginning schedule is Georgetown. I think that I think they earn an AQ regardless from that beginning of the schedule. I think that they can beat Duke. I think they can like I don't think Penn State has a chance against Penn. <laughs> And then St. Joe's and Villanova, even those as good as those teams are, 
I think Penn's able to edge both of them. I mean, that Penn St. Joe's game is going to be great because it's a revenge game for St. Joe's last exactly. year because Penn edged them in overtime. But I, I, I think Penn's going to get the edge again, regardless. And I think honestly, even after that, because we know how well at least St. Joe's is going to do phenomenal. I think Villanova is going to have a phenomenal record. I think Duke's going to do pretty well. Having those three games as AQs and only big loss is Georgetown out of conference. I think, I, I think Penn could squeak in as a automatic qualifier, or not automatic qualifier, but at large already after I that. Always liked Penn. I was surprised at how much more I like Penn after doing this analysis. I'm going to be incredibly high on them all year. That being said, the team right behind them, the team that I think wins the regular season, is probably not a surprise. The Cornell Big Red. Coming off a national championship appearance, clearly got to, you know, they, I owe them some respect. I don't think, however, they really get tested in their out-of-conference schedule until their fifth game where they play Ohio State and then Penn State. Not as, not the out-of-conference slate I was hoping for. Connor Music and his coaching staff, you know, have clearly proved the effectiveness of young coaching. Another high senior volume team with 18 the loss of Piatelli will be felt, I think, a lot. But of course, when you have one of the Kirsch brothers and Long who combined had 145 points, you're in business. Yeah. And then you cannot talk about Cornell without, of course, talking about Gavin Adler. 34 <laughs> calls turnovers. Man, he's my favorite team. defenseman in college lacrosse right now. That man is an animal. He's so fundamentally sound when you watch him. It's incredible. You know. I would not want to play against that dude at all. Really, the only question for Cornell is who's going to replace Erlen and Cage. I'm sure they'll find someone. This team will be good. I think they win their regular season. Um, I'm sure they make the tournament. I don't know if they can make it as far, but we didn't think they could make it as far this past year. So, you know, watch so, out. So you have Cornell winning regular season? Yes. And then Penn winning the AQ? Yes. Where do you have Penn ranked in regular season then? Second. Second. I have, okay. I have Cornell beating Penn. Yeah. Okay. So Cornell won Penn two with Penn winning the AQ. Yep. Okay. Number three is the Yale Bulldogs. This team does not have a lot of seniors, only 10, but it's headlined by our guy, Matt Brandau, who had mm. a ridiculous 99 points last year. Um, just really, really impressive player. I really worry about this team and their dependence on him. It's almost, I think, like back to Pat Spencer and his concluding years and just how dependent Loyola was on his facilitation. Yeah. But, 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 but Johnson, Lyon, Sharp, they all followed Brandau in points last year and they all did it as freshmen, right? This team was very young. Statistically, they were third in assists per game and fourth in points per game. So they move the ball, they score a lot. It's Ivy League. There's going to be a lot of goals. The loss of Chris Fake will absolutely hurt the stoutness of the defense, but they have some guys coming back. And then they also have, unlike the teams ahead of them, um, Jared Paquette returning in cage. So they have a, yeah. a returner, um, which I think is really important. So I, I think Yale's right there, right in contention at the top. Not to mention Fake, but I think even bigger is Brian Tevlin. Yes. Going to Notre Dame too. I think losing him and his leadership is massive to this team. And the fact that he was such a good midfield production for them. That, yeah. that guy, that guy was a certified dog for the free <laughs> last year. Oh yeah. And he was a, 
like he could get ground balls. He could ride the hell out of you. Um, uh, it was, yeah, he's, he's going to be a big loss. Chris fake too. Um, I did have Yale at my four spot Princeton just ahead of them just for that reason. But uh, honestly, that's very interchangeable to me. You're spot on. I got Princeton at four. Um, wow. My, my, my rankings would be a hot take. I have Princeton at one for this conference. Yeah, I, love I, I love Princeton. I love this Princeton. I, mean, I, love I disagree. I love, I love I disagree. this Princeton team. I think Sam English and slusher, that offensive combination is the best one, two punch in an Ivy league team. But I outside love that, of that. I'm not as imp- like, you're right. You're absolutely right. Those guys are awesome. But outside of that, I'm not as convinced this year and maybe they're going to make me, you know, prove me wrong. Like they did this past year by beating Georgetown. I I just look, they're going to be really good. No doubt. But I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. I don't, they're going to have to reload on offense and defense. They have to reload in cage too. Eric Peters was awesome. And now he's gone. You're right. So there's just, there's a lot of questions. And when there's questions, I'm not as high on teams. Yeah. The biggest thing for this team that jumped off, they were first in the NCAA in grab balls a game. Like Void said a little while ago, GPs win games. Like you can teach part of that, but the other half of it is heart. And this team clearly has heart. So this team will be good. But I think for now, other teams are better than them on paper. Yeah. Right behind them at the five seed. We got Jerry Burns, Harvard Crimson. They are unequivocally my dark horse for the Ivy League. I almost put Harvard ahead of Princeton. Almost. I was really tempted to. Okay. <laughs> That's a strange. But I did. But clearly I did. And the reason I didn't is because this team's youth was clearly really impressive last year. But I think almost like that youthful innocence and ignorance helped them, but now like they're young and they have experience. So that in some ways could hurt them because they know what it's like to lose on the big stage. And some of that might come back to haunt them a little bit. Um, but I think quite frankly, like this team could win the Ivy league. If they play like they did last year, they easily could. Their out of conference schedule is a bit stronger, especially with the UVA test. Michigan is a good game and BU is a great game as well. Sam King was awesome as a freshman. Botkiss yeah. as well, joining him. Bergstrom was kind of like the, the the Sam King um, on the defensive end as a freshman. Um, Who's their they, LSM that they had that was that balled out last year? Oh, I didn't, I didn't forgot to jot that. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about though. If it comes to me, I'll, I'll bring it back up. Was it Campisi? That it guy? Very well could have been. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I know their he, starting LSM was a phenomenal. He led the charge. I mean, statistically this team was third in a, in D one in cost turnovers per game. They had just over 10 cost turnovers. That's game. impressive. Big questions. And this is also why I have them below Princeton. Their face-off, not strong, below 40%. You need the ball in the Ivy League to score points. But this team's youth is scary good. And I think, quite frankly, this team will in many ways also be haunted by getting in over Notre Dame last year. Getting in, losing that first game, like, people are still pissed about it. I mean, they have to prove themselves again. Yeah, like, and I think Coach Byrne really buys into that for this program. Um, but for now, I, ha- I think five is probably a good spot for them. 
surprising, I think, a little bit for me is having Brown as low as six. Yeah. Didn't know where else to put them. They got. I was really high on Brown at the end of the year last year. You guys remember I took them mm-hmm. to beat Virginia in the tournament. Like I was really high on them. But when I was looking at them now and I look back to their season, I had I just had a lot of recency bias last year, meaning they they weren't that great and they just were great at the right time. Meaning they got rocked by Princeton in the middle of the year last year, early in the Ivy League, and then they just went on this tear where they beat Penn, Yale, and Cornell all in a row, all of the time were in the top like eight and then just immediately vaulted Brown into the top 10, right? If Brown doesn't win those games, Brown is not an AQ. So the idea if Brown doesn't win a single one of those games, much less all three, like if they just lost one of the three of them. Yeah, exactly. So the Ivy league was like a self sustaining AQ because of everyone beating each other last year. So I don't, I just don't think that that was a, a lacrosse anomaly last year. Yeah, I don't I think that's happening. That again. happens. I agree. Um, Devin McLean returns 71 point season last year. They're going to lose, you know, they lost Augavan and he was a great guy. They also lose Geppert on the defensive end. So, you know, these, the, the trend here is Ivy League teams that retain a lot of guys are going to be really good. Ivy League teams that lose a lot of guys, some more questions. But you cannot talk about the Brown Bears without talking about their absolute beast in cage in Connor Thoreau. He was, you know, statistically good, not fantastic, about five, three, seven save percentage. But he's just an energy guy, not just for Brown, but for all of lacrosse. Like watching him is awesome. Um, I don't know who Brown's goalie coach is, but it seems like year in, year out, they just produce electric goalies that love to play a high arc, come out of the crease, love to just like, be vocal and be physical and just give a, a really exciting performances as a goalie. I mean, I don't even know yeah. how else to say it. Acrobatic right. saves on top of that too. I mean, yeah. So I, look, Brown is at six. Brown could easily be at two. Like the Ivy league is just hard. It, it's hard to predict. Um, but what's not hard is unfortunately Dartmouth at seven. Um, Look, like Dartmouth had a decent year last year for them before the Ivy League. They should not have lost their first game to Merrimack. But outside of that, their four wins were against teams they should have beat. And quite frankly, like they just they didn't have enough to beat any of their Ivy League opponents. Colin McGill returns with 33 points. So that's that's obviously a positive. But this team just happens to be the unlucky number seven in an awesome conference. I think they need to just slowly recruit and develop just an upset, upset minded program. Mm-hmm. I think if they can beat one of these six teams, that's a huge energy lift for this program. But until that happens, I, they're going to stay at seven. So uh, the Ivy League will be, of course, be very entertaining. I look forward to it. Um, I don't know if we see the magic we did last year, but it'd be pretty cool if we did. Ivy yeah, League I mean, just going to be. Just as competitive as last year. Um, I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest Devin McLean supporters. Um, and I'm, I'm just surprised that you had him at six, but you're right. They, it just comes down to, you know, how many guys are you returning and like the depth that goes to in the Ivy yeah. league, especially. Um, I really like Brown. I think they definitely deserve a top four spot, but 
the rest of these teams, this is going to be just one in a very entertaining season. Who did, did you Especially guys have Harvard as the six seed? Yeah. yeah, I had Brown. I had Brown ahead of them. Um, Makes sense. I, I at one point put Brown at four and I actually put Cornell at five and then I like got my head back straight and put them back at two. I have Penn all the way at four. I have Penn being very low in my. I, I I'm just, really, I'm you're so the, high you're on that. Sam Hanley supporter that I know. I love Sam Hanley. I think that man is a monster, and he's a man amongst boys when he steps on the lacrosse field. But I, I think that, like I said, I'm a big consistency guy, and Penn did not have a lot of consistency, especially out of conference. On top of right. that, because every single Ivy League team was inconsistent last year in conference. But I. I had mine was Princeton, Cornell, Yale is my top three, and then Penn rounded out my top four. I I I'm really high on Princeton. I like that team a lot. I know that there's questions going in, but I I think that they've got juice. And I having watched them play a couple times last year, I love the way they play. And Cornell, I just I think Cornell will probably get the AQ. They're just I mean, like I said, I, having someone as good as Gavin Adler on defense is a game breaker for the other team. Like he, he, he can just, if you watch his highlights, the way he plays, it's almost like you don't, it's not, he doesn't even have to lock off the guy he's on. You don't want to pass it to the guy he's on because that gives him a chance to take it away from him. Like Adler makes some of the most smooth poke checks and takeaway checks I've ever seen as a, like from a just defenseman. It's, it's beautiful to watch, honestly. And I, I think that, Cornell's, I think they'll get that AQ and I think they're going to go pretty far in the tournament too come May. But yeah. We'll yeah. He's a, he's definitely a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, oh yeah. And I think we, I think it's safe to say for all of us, Matt Brandau toward Tom. I agree. I'm a runner. I oh, agree. Yeah. I think he's top three for that easily. Yeah. Easily. No bias coming from BL, but I mean, <laughs> good job, Matt. He, he deserves to be in that top three for that right now. Absolutely. All right, dry band, finish this off with our last conference. So this is the only new conference that's joined this year. I think this could be the most electric and is in my opinion, the most exciting conference. I love the group of teams they brought together to form this. This is the Atlantic 10 conference and to kick it off who I think are going to be the regular season and tournament champs are St. Joseph's. I love this team. I love the energy they had last year and they are bringing back the two key pieces in that run, which are to begin with number one, who I think besides Sisselberger is the best face-off guy in the country. Zach Cole. That man is a monster at the X. He gets all the ground balls. He dictates games and tempos. He let St. Joe's go on so many runs last year. Just he brings energy to that team. And then on the offensive side, bringing back Levi Anderson. That man is a lefty nightmare, a lefty Canadian nightmare for defenses to handle. I mean, watching him a couple times last year, watching St. Joe's play, he is so good. He is so smooth just with inside rolls and just the control in his stick. His handling is fantastic. Uh, I, I love this team. I think their energy is fantastic. I think the experience they gained last year and the leadership they got being able to go so far winning the NEC and just coming in here into this conference. I think they're going to make their stamp, make their claim, win this tournament, get another AQ and 
get past just the first round, I think, this year. I think that they've got everything to prove, and I think they're going to be a great team to watch. Levi Anderson, certified dog. Oh, yeah. Potential dog of the year candidate. Uh, just just after that Yale game, I've never seen a player play much like that hard in a lacrosse game in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just It's insane how, how much that guy can do for their offense. Oh, I completely agree. I think he's a great player to watch. And on top of that, I love watching Canadians play just the silkiness. I mean, he's a quintessential Canadian. He's just so silky in how he plays. And like you said, Voight, that first round that they played against Yale was a phenomenal game to watch. Game game of the year, um, probably by far. So runners up, I think, in the regular season, I've got joining from the SoCon, Richmond. This is a team that perennially is phenomenal under head coach Dan uh, Chamati. He doesn't have a losing season since his first, uh, their first season as a program in 2014. Richmond is good every single year. Only downside, they're losing some key players, specifically Ryan Lanchbury on offense. That man was an animal, all American. He was fantastic for them. But they also have a really good young core. Last year, SoCon's all-rookie team. SoCon, how they do their all-rookie team, they don't list a whole team. They only list six players, just one from each position. Richmond had four of those six players. Damn. All-rookie, whereas all-Richmond. So I expect this young core take them to the top of this conference. I think they're going to be contending St. Joe's for that conference uh, championship. I get that AQ. I like this team a lot. Number three coming after Richmond. I have a team joining from the CAA. I've got UMass as number three. Mm. Uh, boo. boo you don't like that one? Tell me mm. why. Thumb, thumbs down. They have a lot of players returning that are really good. Granted, I understand why you might not like this. They did not. In UMass terms, they didn't have a great season last year, but they were still above 500. It's just how good UMass has been in the past years that they just didn't have a good one good season. They're returning their goalie and their faceoff men, who were both all CAA first team last year. I think that's a great core to bring back. Um, I think a little questions at offense, but uh, this team always plays well. And I think that by the end of the season, once they gain some momentum, I think that they could make some noise in this conference. And that's why I have them as my dark horse also. I, I like this UMass team a lot. I think bringing back a faceoff guy, especially in a conference where there's a lot of good face uh, face-off men in it. I really, really like that they have consistency there. And not only are they bringing him back, it's a good face-off guy to begin or on top of that. I, I like this team a lot. I, that's why I'm picking them as my dark horse. And I'm assuming that you guys had at number three was High Point, who I have at number four. Yeah. This team has too many questions for me. I just can't put them that high. I just can't. I, I They lost arguably not just the best player on their team, but their best player in program history in Asher Nolting. I mean, that's a void that they have to figure out immediately. And on top of that, they lost a bunch of seniors as well. Like I, I think like four out of their top eight top point scores that are lose that they're leaving this year. So I just, I, I don't, I need to be able to see their offense click for me to trust them more. And on top of that, in games decided by three goals or less, they were three and five last year. They weren't able to close out games by any means. So 
I just, this is a team that coming into a tough conference, this conference is good. I love every single team in this conference. And I think every single team in this conference has a right to make some noise and try to go for that AQ at the end of the year. I just, I need to get, I need to see something at a high point before I get more confidence and rank them any higher than number four at this point. Coming in after high point, number five, a team that I'm really big on, Hobart. No. Over from the NEC also. They lost in the championship to St. Joe's. Every single game they lost, besides the conference tournament championship to St. Joe's, was by four goals or less. They know how to stay in games. They're, they're, yeah, stick, they're a stick-around team. They stay around. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just The big issue with them is they need to find a new offensive identity. They lost their three top point scorers this year. Um, but they are, they're bringing back production, though, which is definitely something that's um, a positive for this team. And like I said, they're not going to stay in games. I, I think if they can find an offensive identity very quick in the early part of the season, I think they can make some moves in this conference, too. I, I love Hobart, you know, not biased because my dad went there or anything, but I, I think this team can definitely make some moves in this conference and I, I'm excited to watch them play as I am every year. They always have a good conference year in, year out. Uh, we'll just see if they, it can click early on and if their defense can get it together in this very difficult conference. That wraps it up to the last team in the last conference. They're better than going Hobart. Over. They're better than Hobart. It's the St. Bonaventure I don't even know what their mascots are. They're the Saint Bonnies, driving. Bonaventure Bonnies. Bonnies. They're last year's regular season winner for the MAC, but they choked and didn't make it to the conference because they lost to Manhattan in the conference championship. They're losing the heart and soul of their team. They lost Brett Dobson. Like, that man carried that team in a lot of games. 66% save percentage on the year is ridiculous. That is crazy. That is such an impressive stat to have. And I just, on top of that, last year, they also played St. Joe's and Richmond, and they went 0-2 against those two teams. They lost to both of them. So until they prove me otherwise, I have them finishing last in this conference. I, I, I need to see some spark from their defense, some leadership step up, and then maybe I'll think differently. But until then, St. Bonnie's, they're finishing last. He had 262 saves last year. Yeah, that's absurd. Was, that is was a wall. Sec- a wall. Second in saves per game at 17 and a half. All right. Well, that is a wrap for us. We appreciate you guys sticking around with us for all these conferences and all these teams. Um, as you can tell, we just cannot wait for February. I think right now, February 4th is the first official start of the season. Um, feel free to check back with us in late January when we'll have a final preview and share our top 25s ahead of the season. But until then, have a great holiday season, have a great new year, and we'll see you in January.